Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap for for February 18th. Hope everybody is doing well. We are getting closer and closer to Friday. We have quite the sports slate on Thursday night. We have the Milwaukee Bucks against the Toronto Raptors as well as the Wisconsin Badgers against the Iowa Hawkeyes. We will preview both and explain to you why both are must-wins for the local squad. After that, we'll do a little ticket story time of my experiences at Notre Dame. I've had a couple of them. I've been fortunate enough to be there twice. I'll talk through both games, both experiences. Um, From what I can remember, the first one was a while ago. Um, but I will I will do my best. And so that will be the show. Um, it is a quiet time. You have these uh, weeks where you, or days where things aren't, aren't really popping off. Um, I didn't have the time to do one of the things that I want to do from an evergreen perspective. But I will hopefully have those ready to go uh, for the next time this rolls around. It's usually once a week, and and I don't know why it's always Thursday, but that's that's here and or there. But it'll be kind of a shorter show today. Um, hopefully tomorrow maybe we can go a little longer. Um, I'll have a little more time, and also we'll have two games to recap. So we're going to obviously preview those two games. We're going to start with the Milwaukee Bucks and why I do think that this is a must-win for them. So the Milwaukee Bucks are playing the Toronto Raptors for the second straight night. Now, if the Bucks win, they are 17 and 12. I think all of us are 17 and 13, excuse me. I think all of us would be okay with that. I don't or no, it would be 17 and 12, excuse me. 17 and 12. They I think all of us would be fine with that. I think it's hard for us to look at this season and yeah, there's a little bit of a freak out because people are starting to talk about playoffs. We're starting to get to the end of the like first half of the year uh, for the NBA. March 2nd is the last ha- last game of that first half. But if you really looked at a normal NBA schedule, we are in about mid-December typically. Now I know this isn't a regular year, so it's like I get being like kind of nervous. I get being kind of concerned. But at the same time, I look at what the Bucks have done thus far, and I, I'm trying hard not to overreact, especially with how putrid the East is. We, we were over this yesterday when I was kind of telling you not to freak out about the Bucks. That said, all of that said, I think tonight is a critical game for Milwaukee. I think this is a game you have to win. I think that you're on national television. You are facing a team that you don't really like in Toronto. We know that these two teams have beef and there is a real rivalry. And a team right now you could be seeing in the first round of the playoffs. So they need to kind of make a statement tonight. This is a statement type game for the Milwaukee Bucks. They've had a couple days of rest and relaxation at their house. They should be feeling good. And they should hopefully have some adjustments for what Toronto did yesterday. We saw the Chris Middleton double teams all over the place. They need to start freeing up Chris Middleton. I think that is number one priority in tonight's game. I think you have to make sure that Chris Middleton gets some open looks early and often and gets him going. And kind of figures out ways around this double team. 
Do you set screens for these double teams? Do you work on getting you know a, a high screen early and then running the roll with Middleton kind of in that point forward position? There's no indication that Drew Holiday will be back. Like we told you earlier this week, all indications point that he does have COVID. So there are there is that issue. There is the issue of when will Holiday be back? It's probably not going to be until next Monday, I think, or maybe maybe the Sacramento game on Sunday would be the most ambitious for Holiday to be back. So with that said, we have to understand that the Bucks are going to have to do some different shit. And if that means, you know, playing Bryn Forbes more or because he was really good in the first half, I know it hurts Bucks fans to say this, but playing Pat Connaughton more, the Bucks need to treat this game with a level of importance. And I understand what Giannis said and about don't panic, don't freak out. And I get it. I totally understand that. But look, like one game can make that difference of like not panicking to saying, all right, maybe something's wrong here. Because look at what we saw with my friend. Hey, this is a obscure, I'm saying look at, but you guys don't know this, but like Mitch, our our guy, our, our host or was like, he told us on the podcast earlier this week, like, hey, it's not a big deal. Like, it's three losses. And then after the Toronto game, Mitch was, like, apoplectic about it. So I think you have to understand that, like, one game can kind of change everything. And if you lose again, I think there's some real concern. I think people are going to kind of start asking some questions about this Bucks team. And I think they're fair. Like, I don't think that they're going to be a you know out of the out of this realm because they don't look like the what they were last year. And and again, like we can say all you want that hey, it doesn't matter because it is the regular season and the regular season hasn't mattered for the Bucks and the Bucks were so successful the last couple regular seasons that is it really a big deal for them to lose games? I looked back at this yesterday. I was going to have the stat for us on Wednesday, but we'll bring it in here. I looked at the last, I don't know, um, almost decades worth of NBA champions. And now I realize shortened season, COVID a little different. There's only been one team that has lost four straight in in a season that has won a title. And that was the Lakers last year. They Right around this time in the schedule, actually. So like mid-December, one of them was the Bucks. funny enough. No team other than the Lakers had lost four straight in a season. They might have had stretches where they lost five of seven or, you know, something like that, but they never lost four straight. And then I, so obviously if we, ex, you know, expound on that, no team has lost five straight. So I, you gotta, you gotta at least look like a championship team at some point in the regular season. Now, if the Bucks go on a crazy run and we're like, well, why do we even doubt this team? All right, and that, and we all look stupid. But at some point, you have to figure this out. And with playing a Toronto team for the second time, probably without Kyle Lowry, who left the game with an ankle injury, I don't think there's any reason for you not to lay down the hammer tonight against the Raptors. So we'll see. Should be a good game. Obviously, looking forward to it, and we'll see what the Bucks can do. Moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. So the Wisconsin Badgers also are playing tonight against the Iowa Hawkeyes. And they're in a similar situation. 
I would say that Wisconsin's in a little bit of a must win. I Maybe that's a little bit intense, but if the Badgers want to kind of keep pace with the Big Ten and keep pace on that double seeding, they haven't really announced how the tournament will be seeded with COVID. I, we've seen that with some other mid-majors. Well, not the Badgers aren't mid-major, but we've seen it with mid-majors that they're kind of reseeding the tournament a little bit differently to, ha- to reflect what's kind of going on in the college basketball landscape. So Wisconsin needs this win to sort of keep pace. Right now, they are hovering around the fourth or fifth spot. We're going to pull it up here in a second. Right now, the Badgers in conference are fourth in the Big Ten. They are tied with Purdue. Iowa right now is a half game ahead of them. So, or they're fifth, excuse me. So if they beat Iowa tonight, they will then move up to fourth and have the tiebreaker over Iowa. They play Purdue later in the year. Right now, by Ken Palm's projections, Ken Palm has Wisconsin as a sixth seed actually tied with Rutgers. They would have the tiebreaker over Rutgers at 11 and 9. That is without any sort of COVID stuff going wrong. But yes, the Badgers in Iowa tonight at the Kohl Center. I think the fans would love to be there. Um, they, I think, get under Fran McCaffrey's skin. Um, we have heard the February Fran fade, which is very similar to what we see at Marquette with our coach Steve Wojciechowski. But Iowa has won two straight. Iowa's last, you know, they've won three of their last five. They beat beat up Michigan State in two of those games would be the defense. Like Michigan State's just so bad. They beat them up twice. They also beat Rutgers. It was a home game. Rutgers, totally different team on the road. They did lose to Ohio State and Indiana. They have not won on the road besides the Michigan State game. They've the last time their their last big wins on the road and kind of why you might want to back Wisconsin tonight is Maryland is really the only one. You oh, and I, they beat Rutgers. That's right. They beat Rutgers. So they beat Rutgers. They beat Maryland. But other than that, I mean, they lost to Illinois on the road. They lost to Ohio State on the road, I believe. They haven't played Ohio State on the road. They play them next Sunday, which is a good game. That'll be an awesome game to to watch. But yes, this is a good matchup. This is a fun one. But the Wisconsin Badgers have not been playing well. They've not been doing doing good things offensively. Right now, they are ninth in the Big Ten, according to Ken Palm, in an offensive efficiency. Now, Iowa does not play a lick of defense. If there was ever a weird get-right spot for the Badgers, it's against Iowa. And I know that sounds odd, right? Iowa is a team who is very successful, has guys like Wieskamp, Garza, Bohannon. They have a roster that you look at and you say, wow, this team could easily be a Final Four team with the offensive talent they have. But you also look at them defensively and you say, wow, this team could lose to a 15 seed in the first round. I don't think any of us would be surprised. So... That's the point where I look at it and I say, all right, the Badgers could get right here and beat Iowa. My concern, though, is how do you keep Nate Reavers and Micah Potter out of foul trouble? What do you do against Luca Garza? How do you prevent Luca Garza? Or is it something where, which we've seen before in all facets of basketball, college and pro, do you let Luca Garza go off? Do you just say, all right, Luca Garza can have 35 to 40 points? And we're going to shut down everything else. That's kind of what I would do. I, you know, I would look back. I remember I was at a Marquette game against Notre Dame. And Luke Herringody was, you know, on Notre Dame's roster. Luke Herringody, 
you know, never really made it in the NBA, but Luke Arangoli was a fucking really good college basketball player. Now, I'm not comparing the two, a little different. You know, Garza is obviously more athletic, but I think in that game, Arangoli had like 46 points. He had something ridiculous. Like, he just went off. Like, but Marquette shut down everybody around him. Buzz Williams' plan was like, hey, look, we are not going to let one Notre Dame guy other than Haragody have a big day. We'll let Her- we'll accept what Haragody is going to do, but we're not going to overemphasize on Garza. And I think if Wisconsin does that, I think they have a real shot to win this game. I also think this is a must win for Wisconsin just based on what we've seen. I mean, right now they're falling out of flav- favor with the bracketologists, whether you want to kind of do a jerk off motion for those guys and say it's a real job or not. I get it. Like, but they're projecting right now as a sixth seed. This would be a big win for Wisconsin to kind of get into a better flavor. I think you want to throw yourself back into a five seed. And also what hurts Wisconsin a little bit is the fact that both Michigan and Ohio State are looking as one seeds right now. Because that, I think, prevents Wisconsin and the likes of Iowa even too to kind of move into that five or four line because I don't think you're going to want a Big Ten matchup in the Sweet 16. Now, you might there might not be a way to prevent it because the Big Ten is so good that they're going to have nine or ten teams in the NCAA tournament. We've seen this before with the Big East back in the day when the Big East was the Big East. Like, I mean, Big East is good, good. But they were, I mean, that that year where I think they got 12 teams in was fucking ridiculous. I mean, that was as good of basketball as you could watch on a night-to-night basis. Now, Big Ten delivers. I would say that, you know, Big Ten is as exciting of a conference as you have in, in college basketball right now. But the fact of the matter is, is like, yeah, you're going to need to start winning some games against good teams. Like, Wisconsin resume is not my favorite and I've kind of talked about this a few times with Wisconsin where I'm like they're good not great like this is a real opportunity for Wisconsin to kind of establish themselves when they faced a top 10 Ken Palm team this year they have lost to every single one of them besides Loyola now I don't think Loyola is what they are today like I think if the Badgers played Loyola on Saturday I think it might be a different result now they won convincingly they beat Loyola by 14 points and that might be a case against like Loyola making a deep run because they will be a very sexy team come tournament time but other than Loyola they lost to Michigan by you know 20 plus they lost to Ohio State by 10 plus they lost to Illinois by 15 and then Michigan on Sunday they had a, a large lead and then they got clamped down in the second half so can Wisconsin prove against a team like Iowa that they can beat them and beat up the Hawkeyes? They play them twice this season. I think it would be imperative as you're playing Iowa twice, Illinois, and Purdue in that four-game four stretch, putting Northwestern aside. If you can go 3-1 and one in that, you're going to get a pretty good seed. If you go 2-2 two and two or you go less than that, I don't know. Maybe you're looking at a 7 seed. Maybe it's a 6 seed. Or you have some work to do in the Big Ten tournament. Although Wisconsin has been a beast in the Big Ten tournament. So we've definitely seen Wisconsin show their teeth come tournament time. We'll have a full recap of both games tonight. Um, we'll talk about both. We'll see which one kind of takes the importance of it. I think it'll all depend on the game, right? 
I think last year, remember, with Iowa, after that, I think a lot of people started to wonder about Greg Gard's job. Was that right? Was that the was, was that what happened last year? I think so because that was right. That was after, and then Kobe King leaves. Yes, they lost to Iowa. Kobe King leaves. It's this whole thing, it, and the Badgers blew a late lead. They were up twelve. Oh yeah, Kobe King didn't play in that game. That was the first game Kobe King didn't play. Badgers were up fifty-seven to forty-five with seven minutes to go. I remember that game. I was in the office watching that. I, I remember the collapse that occurred right after that. That was wild. All right, but we'll we'll pick which one which one is going to sort of reign supreme uh, whether it's the Badgers or the Bucks tonight um as the podcast rolls on or if we get any other news like I don't know, a certain defensive lineman signing with the Packers. I've heard rumors it's it's on its way. Um I'm not I was I wasn't allowed to talk too much about it, but all I'll say is I think it's I think it's going to happen. All right. Moving on to ticket story time. We have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on deck for our ticket story time. So I've been too lucky enough to see two games at in South Bend, Indiana. I saw them two years ago play Navy. They rocked the shit out of Navy. It was not even close. Now I will say watching a game against a service academy is awesome. Because all the midshipmen were there. They were going nuts. They had a huge section for the midshipmen. And so there was just this large swath of Naval Force members, which is great. And it's cool. And they have a band. And just the energy that they kind of bring is different. It, it, I, it's hard to explain if, you don't, if you're not there. But it basically sold me on the idea that I need to go out to an Army-Navy game when things are normal again. Like, I think that is way high on the bucket list. Like, if I talk about where the sports bucket list, which is a whole other podcast that we could do someday, like, Army-Navy is right at the top. I think an SEC football game is right there with it. But those are, like, the two top things that I would say in college football would be Army-Navy and an SEC football game. Like, I I wouldn't say a major SEC football game, but, like, an SEC football game that carries a little weight doesn't have to be Alabama LSU, right? But if it's like LSU Old Miss, where it's a rivalry game, they play for a trophy, I'm kind of into that. I'm kind of down with that. But let me not deter from the point. Regardless, it's so cool to see the service academy stuff. Like and there are naval there are, you know, veterans who are there supporting Navy. And but yeah, it was a blowout. <laughs> Notre Dame beat their ass. But the cool thing about Notre Dame, the university itself, is the stadium is right on campus. It's wild. So you are just walking through the campus of Notre Dame, and you're seeing Touchdown Jesus, you're seeing the Golden Dome, and then you see this big-ass stadium. And the stadium's old. Um, I don't have when the stadium was built, but you are also like right on the stadium. Now, we were in the end zone we were a little far, but we still had good seats. Like we still had really good seats to watch the game. At that point, I actually knew Chase Claypool was going to be a really good player. I remember texting Murph, um, our, our good friend and draft sort of beatnik, that I said, look, Packers have to draft Chase Claypool. I, I don't I should have actually brought up those texts when Chase Claypool's been awesome this year. But I watching Chase Claypool in person, he's in he's incredibly large. Like you just are like 
amazed. Like, I was so in on Chase Claypool after watching him in person. I was like, oh my God, this guy is going to be a stud. And he was. And he was really good for Pittsburgh this year. And I was surprised, you know, in the draft that he went as far as he did. And when it looked like maybe Green Bay could get him in the second round, I was like, holy shit. Like, that would be, that'd be great for the, what the Packers are trying to do here. Although I would say Chase Claypool is similar to Alan Lazard, but whatever. We don't need to. We don't need to go down that that rabbit hole of Packer wide receivers. So it, Notre Dame is a cool experience. Um, the first time I went was in 2005, 2006, with my dad and his friend, one of his friends, who's a huge Notre Dame fan. He's a season ticket holder. Um, got that opportunity. I felt so cool at the time because I was in high school. I think I skipped out on football practice that day or got like a reprieve that I was able to go go to this game. Now, I, I'm pretty sure this is when I went. I think I went in high school. I, I hope this is when I went. I'd have to look back at my ticket to confirm, but I'm almost positive it was a game against Purdue in 2006. And in that game, looking back at the box score the Notre Dame Fighting Irish won 35 to 21 Purdue not bad at that time was 4-0 but they they dominated they had full control they were up 28 to 7 now in Purdue would get a couple scores late Curtis Painter a couple touchdowns shout out to Curtis Painter who threw for 398 and two touchdowns but Brady Quinn threw for 316 and two touchdowns as well you also had Darius Walker with 146 yards on 31 carries. Jeff Samarja, uh, you know, now pitcher for, I think he's still pitching for the Giants. He had four catches for 46, also had a rushing touchdown uh, in that game. Raymond McKnight, 10 catches, 120. Um, and Tom Zibikowski was kind of the big defensive player for Notre Dame on that team. I didn't, there wasn't any other guys that I looked at him like, oh yeah, he played. I think Maurice Crum played in the league. I couldn't tell you who he actually played for in the NFL, but yeah, that was a really fun experience. Uh, that one was a little different than the one I went last year. Last year I went with my fiance and we, we had a good time. Like we had a lot of fun. We traveled down. We went to Chicago the night before, which I would recommend. If you're going to do Notre Dame, you might as well just do Chicago on Friday night. Like stay in Chicago, um, have a nice night there. You know, maybe get a hotel, maybe not. Um, so you could say, well, maybe not. You're like, well, what would you be homeless? No, like stay with a friend. Like we stayed with her brother at that time. But like, yeah, if you have a friend down there, like I would do Chicago on Friday night. Um, and then go to Notre Dame on Saturday because it's South Bend, Indiana. There's not, there's not a ton to do. It's just the university, right? And then you kind of shorten up your trip. I think the drive from Notre Dame to Milwaukee is like five hours and your deal with the time zone. That's the thing that sucks about Indiana. The one thing that I don't like about Indiana, I actually really like Indianapolis and I like my time at South Bend is the time zone, man. The fact that they're on Eastern time zone is so kooky. But I get, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I personally would prefer to not deal with the Eastern time zone when I can, because the Eastern time zone is just for the birds. But anyways, yes, that that is something you have to factor in as well. But yeah, I would do the Chicago on on Friday, Notre Dame on Saturday. And then, yeah, if you're, you know, go back and drive back for, you know, in your home, you know, pretty reasonable. I think that Saturday night we got home about eight o'clock nine o'clock 
So it wasn't like it was like one of those things where we got back and it was super late or anything like that. So you can make that drive back pretty easily. And the other drawback is, you you know, there's no alcohol being served. Obviously, Catholic institution, do you think they're serving beer inside their stadium? So if you're, like, looking to tie one on at a Notre Dame game, it's probably not the easiest place to do it. I'm sure there are bars around. I've never really explored South Bend in that faction. Um, that's the one thing I guess I haven't done when it comes to Notre Dame. But, yeah, it's a cool experience. You're right on the field. It's a really fun environment. Um, the fans are obviously super loyal. It's really loud in that stadium. Also, Bon Jovi was there. My fiance has a weird thing with Bon Jovi where she's had many moments where she just kind of randomly Bon Jovi pops up in her life. I don't know if that means they're like not soulmates, but if he's just like a sign. Like if you get the Bon Jovi sign, you know you're you're headed in the right direction. But it's again another story for another time. But yeah, I mean Notre Dame, really cool experience. Definitely something I'd recommend if you have the opportunity to go um, when things are normal. Um, and yeah, their fans are 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 fine. You know, I've never wasn't like my, I had a team going up against them. You know, I wasn't cheering for Purdue or cheering for Navy. I was cheering for Notre Dame in both those scenarios. Uh, I have no idea what it would be like. Wisconsin and Notre Dame are supposed to play at Soldier Field this coming uh, season, so maybe it'll be a little different when you have those two teams. And who knows if you're able to have full fans come come fall. No one no one knows at this point. All right, that does it for us for, for Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, we'll talk about the Bucks. We'll talk about the Badgers. We'll also kind of preview the weekend, see what we have on tap, uh, you know, not for the weekend that is, and see what else we can get into on Friday's show. All right, take care, Tappers. Have yourself a great Thursday. See you.